Welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is episode 66. This is your co-host, JT Ma, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, one Zakuma, and our senior contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Bird. Fellas, how are you? You know, we're, we're recording a podcast on election night. I know we said this a bunch <laughs> off air, but... I mean, really, we're, I guess we know what Nero felt like when he played an instrument while Rome was burning, except the only difference is I'm drinking beer and whiskey, uh, Burgess you know, having a little adult beverage over there with uh, with some rum, and uh, we're just going to bullshit football while the flames are arising. So let's let's go down in flames in style. I'll tell you, it's a nice, nice to have this as a distraction from what's actually going on in the real world. Because yep. this night, I've been dreading this night for six months and i'm gonna be happy when it's over uh let's just let's just get to football let's let's let's, let's, let's screw politics the one time we'll all say stick to sports on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> this is true and uh, as you guys mentioned it is election day so when people are listening to our podcast i'm sure they've already casted their ballots and and for us men here we don't really get into politics our whole goal is to try to provide you with some sort of sense of relief from the real world and kind of take your mind off of everything for an hour or so. But me, myself, like, obviously I'm not going to get into like, you know, where I lean politically, but what I lean for is I lean for big storylines. And what I want more than anything on the planet is for a massive shit show where like the army has to go in and take Trump out of office. That's what oh, I'm God. rooting for. Like I'm just rooting for massive storylines, right? That's that's my whole focus. Cause you think 2020 was bad? Imagine starting 2020 off, 2021 off like that. <laughs> oh my God! Please no, God. You know, We're... betting wise, I think he can bet on this election. And I think earlier today, <laughs> I saw. I that. think I, saw I think that. earlier today, Trump. Trump was plus 125 to win the election tonight. <laughs> Take it to the bank? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we want to say take it to the bank before we have people like finding out where we live and burning our fucking houses down. Listen, yeah, right. I saw, I saw this amazing, uh, 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 the stat, oh, I'm sorry, what did I, I lost my train of thought for a second. I saw this thing on Twitter today where apparently you can bet on when Melania will leave after Trump loses the election. Is it going to be two months, four months, six months? It's like essentially when is a divorce going to come within that time frame after he loses the election? Ooh. <laughs> I'll take four. I'll like, take four months. Who thinks of this shit? Like how, how is this an odds that you can put into uh, to whatever the, the betting site was? Over under over under six months, smash the under. <laughs> I'm smashing the under. I am hammering the under. If that's available on DraftKings, I am hammering the under on, on six months. Yeah. All right, listen, to give you guys a quick rundown of the podcast, this week we're going to talk about the Patriots sucking again because the Patriots lost to the Buffalo Bills, um, the Chargers, and how they have found new ways to lose games. Uh, we'll talk about the week nine games of the uh, of the week, essentially Green Bay versus San Fran, Seattle versus Buffalo, Baltimore versus Indianapolis, Miami versus Arizona, Tampa versus New Orleans. And then we have two segments we're going to kick off this week. we got to take it to the bank parlay. And then we have a Bullets with Burge section as well, which will give you a rundown of some fantasy uh, players to keep an eye out. So, fellas, are you guys ready? Let's boogie. All right. So Let's roll. Before we <laughs> before we talk about the Patriots and how much they suck, I want to get us in the mood, right? So here's a little something. Today. Oh, God. We're going to get pulled <laughs> off of Spotify for copyright. <laughs> this is how I felt while I was watching the Buffalo Bills. 
<laughs> my New England Patriots on Sunday. I felt as if I wanted to walk into a lake and never come back out, with this playing as loud as possible. I don't know how you you're, felt, Burge, but it was pretty You're bad depressing me. me right now with this music. It's making me rethink it all. <laughs> <laughs> we just can't. We just pulled him off the ledge. I wish you would step back off that ledge, my friend. You can cut ties with all the lies that you were living in. <laughs> so the Ringo Patriots went up to uh, Orchard Park and lost to the Buffalo Bills 24-21. Um, the Buffalo Bills are now 6-2. and two. The Patriots fall to 2-5. Um, quite a bit uh, came out of this game, and, and I know my buddy Burgess is just chomping up the bit to kind of get to it. So, sir, without any further ado, the floor is yours. Let us, let's get your initial reaction to what you saw on Sunday. <sighs> they didn't just lose. They freaking blew it. All Kim Newton has to do is hold that ball. They're going to score six on that drive, and they're going to win the game. That was one of the more heart-wrenching losses in the last 20 years of the New England Patriots, in my opinion. Just, you knew what was on the line going into that game. You know, for as bad as they had played in the first half, defensively how bad they were against the run, they were in position to win that game, in a very good position to at least tie it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Cam Newton didn't protect the ball. I think that play in itself, man, was was pretty uh was pretty bad, man. I, I think I felt for Cam Newton because you saw him go to the sideline after that phone button. He looked like he wanted to cry, right? And and, and I was right there with him, uh, <laughs> you know, about to cry as well. But it just speaks to the magnitude with the amount of emotion he had on his face that that loss signifies. That essentially uh, took us out of the running for any sort of run this year. I mean, essentially at this point, in my opinion, the Patriots have become sellers. Well, not sellers, but essentially the, the season is over in my eyes right so there's a lot to unpack here and puma let me turn it over to you real quick as well i want to get your your take on what you saw on sunday what was your thoughts on that buffalo bills versus patriots game i mean it, it was a very it was a very winnable game i mean josh josh allen and the buffalo bills as a whole except for the running game had you know had a very pedestrian day at the office i think if you look at the box score uh, the New England Patriots had more, you know, total offensive yards than the Buffalo Bills that game. But it was just, you know, instances of shooting yourself in the foot, bad field position. There were a couple other costly turnovers. I think there was one in the red zone that led to a touchdown for for Buffalo. And then, you know, that backbreaking one where, you know, worst case, you kick a field goal and you're going into overtime. Um, it's it's almost like on all aspects of the, of the game, uh, offense, defense, um, the coaching, you know, New England just can't catch a break. They can't get that monkey off their back right now. And what are they like? They're on a four-game losing streak or five-game losing streak at this point. And four-game losing streak. Yeah. Four four-game losing streak. In theory, they should bounce back against the Jets this week. But you know, we've saw a, we saw a lot of upsets in Week Eight. Like it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility that this is the one game this coming uh, Monday night that the Jets decide to show up at. Um, it's 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 hard to it's hard to unpack because we're also recording after the trade deadline and as of you know recording Stefan Gilmore is still on the roster you didn't flip him for any draft capital or, or salary cap relief um, you you didn't part ways with any of your running backs you know it's it's hard to unpack and Stefan Gilmore is probably going to be cut at the end of the season uh, or or be a trade candidate in the offseason because he doesn't want to really be here anymore New England doesn't really want to pay him or do another contract extension with him and they're going to be up against the cap next year too so 
Um, I guess now you guys know what I felt like as a Dolphins fan for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me, let what, me oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I want to hit on, on what you said, Puma, about how the offensive statistics at the end of that game were relatively even. I think the Patriots outgained the Buffalo Bills at the end of the day. Yep. I find that hard to believe considering how bad and inept they looked in the first half of that game. Yeah, and listen, you are spot on right with the stats I have in front of me. So first down, New England 20, Buffalo 22. Total net yards, 349 for New England, 339 for Buffalo. Offensive play, 61 for New England, 57 for Buffalo. Rushing net yards, 181 for New England, 190 for Buffalo. Essentially, anywhere along the, the stats, New England outplayed Buffalo. Unfortunately, Cam Newton had that really horrendous turnover, right? And I think that's where most of the blame, in my eyes, what I like to do after a game is I like to look at, you know, essentially where the blame is if it's a loss and where the credit is if it's a win. I think the three areas where I'm going to place the blame at this week is essentially Cam Newton because you, you can't fumble the ball away. At the end of the day, you're playing not just for maybe our season, but your essential NFL life as well. We don't know if you're going to be able to make it through this. It's just how horrendous you played. So anytime you're running with the ball to win the game and you fumble, you get most of the blame. But moving past that, and I think that's the one thing we got to kind of do with this situation with this Patriots team because you can't just throw it all on Cam all year long. A lot happened that game where I think that coaching staff in itself also had a pretty horrendous day, right? I mean, in the first four drives alone, there was quite a bit of penalties that stalled those drives. And most of the time, mm -hmm. penalties come down to lack of discipline and bad coaching, right? And yep. I think the most egregious thing in my mind was when the game was tied up, right? We were kind of see, we were kind of not really in the game. We were down by eight points. We finally got a drive. We, we scored a touchdown. We went for two points. It's tied 14-14 all. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Bill Belichick decides to go for an onside kick, which I do not understand. And it's probably one of the worst decisions he's made as a coach because everything leading up to that point, everything leading up to that point was horrific, but you finally got back into the game and everything went, and all the energy was on your side. Like, for that brief, like, 30 seconds from the moment you scored that two-point conversion was 14-14, the pressure was right back on the Buffalo Bills. Like, you felt good. I felt good all year long. I thought we were going to win that game. And all of a sudden, Bill Belichick decides to go out there, go for an onside kick, and essentially turn the ball over to the Buffalo Bills who went 40 yards and went up 21-14. And, and that was that. And then finally, number three, the defense. It's no, you know, at the end of the day, it's... It's no surprise that, uh, that the defense played bad again. I mean, they essentially, the Buffalo Bills gashed us on one single play over and over again. It was the same outside zone run play mm -hmm. that San Francisco ran all game long, and it's two fucking weeks now, and you still can't figure out a way to stop it. Like, I just don't understand it. And, and you know, I always thought that Bill Belichick was this genius coach where we always would adjust in game and figure out how to, how to stop the run. You saw all game long, Buffalo was going after Adrian Phillips in the box and he couldn't contain that end, right? Where's the, mm -hmm. where's the adjustments at? Like, at some point, we've got to start looking at Belichick and ask, what the fuck are you doing, bro? It's four games in a row. There's constant, you're on the list as the players as, as being bad as well. So I think it's it's really uh, it's really a bad look for, for Belichick as well this year along with Cam. And, and I'm just frustrated to an end. Uh, I'm not happy with how things are panning out. Um, and, and the worst thing is, you know, everybody says, let's move off of these, you know, these players and get high draft picks and we'll send you Bill for the future. But who's to say he's going to draft well in the future as well? We've had five years of bad drafting for, from Bill Belichick. The future doesn't look any bright. So I don't want to be all negative Nelly here, but it, it's uh, it's not a good feeling. And I don't like how this where this team is going in the future as well. I'm with you on that. You hit the nail on the head when, when it comes to trading off your veterans and the players to get draft assets. 
I have zero faith that Bill Belichick is going to hit on any picks that he makes. His track record speaks for itself when it comes to that. Um, going back to the onside kick, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for just a minute. I know I we, we talked off air about this, Jay, but when he went and lined up that kick after you tie the game, let's, let's be honest, the defense was getting gashed on the run all game. It wasn't like a second half thing. It was an all game thing. Yeah. What if in Bill's head was they're going to gash me the full length of the field regardless? Why not come out here and try to catch him sleeping and try to try to recover the ball and again continue to spark the offense? Now I get the other side of this and I'll let you talk about it when it comes, but I, that 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 to me is where his mind was at when he made that move. He tried to to make a swing play for his team that was struggling early on to try to give them a, a, a bigger boost when it when it came down to it. And I don't necessarily agree with the call, but I think that's where his mind was at. I mean, I'll, I'll jump in real quick on the onside kick as well, too. I was watching it while, while I was at work, and, you know, call me the psycho. I didn't mind the onside kick call for those exact reasons that you laid out, Burge. I mean, this defense was not stopping a runny nose in the run game. They were getting gashed up and down the field. You know, why at this point, like your season's on the line, you just got back into the game. I would roll the dice too and, and try to catch Buffalo sleeping because not only would you, the, the fate, the, the momentum go more in your favor if you recover the onside kick, but if you drive down for a touchdown, now Buffalo is up against the wall. And we've seen what this Buffalo Bills team has done in the past when they have been up against the wall. We saw it in the playoffs last year against the Houston Texans. Everybody just decided to short circuit in that matchup. Um, I, I don't mind that specific play call. To be honest, you see, my, my biggest issue is because at the end of the day, that's fine. I understand your point of view that no matter what you do, you're going to get gashed. But the way I see it is if you do kick it off and you make them drive 75 yards, there's a higher percent that they that they might actually make a mistake in those 70 yards compared to 40 yards that they got to go to score a touchdown if you don't um, have a successful onside kick, right? So if you kick it downfield, there's more plays that the Buffalo Bills got to run. There's more times you got to snap the ball. The, the weather's not the best. It's rainy. It's windy. A lot can happen in those extra 30 yards that I think I would feel comfortable with trying to take that chance of kicking it downfield and seeing if they, something else can happen out of that. Do you guys understand what I'm trying to get at? No, I, I get exactly what you're saying, and I and I agree with you 100% with them, with the with the potential for them to, to turn the ball over at that point. But you're also sacrificing the clock at that point too. So and, and, and I, at I, what point did like the defense instill any confidence that they could make a key stop and create a turnover? Right. I mean, they had the pick. They had the pick on um, J.C. Jackson uh, at the end of the first half, but. You know, I mean, that was just a miscommunication between Allen and Diggs that, that, that did that. They didn't exactly force that. They just made mm -hmm. a good play on an opportunity. They seized it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't like the, I don't like the call because of the way the onside kick is nowadays. Like, you mm -hmm. can't get a running start on the kickoff. Since, since they changed the kickoff rules where everybody's stationary until the ball is kicked, the, the percentage of recovering an onside kick has gone so down. Mm -hmm. You guys agree with that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a low percentage play no matter what. But but I think we're, at the end of the day, that's just one minute play. I think the bigger issue here, Burge, and we're going to talk about this real quick, is, like, this is just everything over the last five years catching up to us now, man. And, and, and it feels like we're in quicksand, and I feel like there's no way out. Like, you know, everybody wants to look to the future and to the draft, but I am legitimately concerned that there really is, 
you know, no way out of us in the next like year, year and a half. This is not going to be a quick turnaround. Like this could take a couple of years before we're back into playoff contention with just how bad this team is on offense, with how bad Belichick is at, at drafting. Um, I, I think the only way I can see through this is maybe going after a high prize um, free agents and using some of that cap money, uh, cap money next year. But I don't think the future is bright either for the Patriots. Yeah, but with what cap money? Because, yeah, I, I know – there, there were eight players that opted out, but like that created cap space for this season. That's why everybody was up in arms after the fact that the cap space was freed up a bit this year because they're like, oh, well, Cam Newton only signed for a million dollars. They're undervaluing him. Look at all the cap space that they have. But when those players come back on the books next year, that that's going to go up against the cap. They're going to be right up against the cap again. And that's why, like, just from trading, just from the trade deadline perspective, I, if I'm a Pats fan, like any draft capital that I could gain, and listen, I understand that Bill Belichick has whiffed a shit ton as a general manager. But if you're going to try to recruit, you know, high prize or middle of the road free agents to kind of mix and match and fit this this offensive and defensive scheme, you're going to have to have money to do so, and and they're just not going to be able to do that. And that's the issue that they were up against this year. They're, they have almost 30 million dollars in dead cap money tied into one dead player one wide receiver that went down to tampa bay and a quarterback that's not on the roster anymore it would have behooved them it would have behooved them to have paid tom brady as an extension to come back this year because it wouldn't count as much against the cap see i don't think brady would have signed either way Exactly. That's another, and, that's and, another and, debate, but and that's and and that's fine. We've gone down that road before too. Like it was probably the best for both parties involved. But from if you were looking at just the the dollar sign uh, of this year, it would have behooved the New England Patriots to bring Tom Brady back at least for this season because it would have cost a shit ton less against the cap than what they're paying for right now. And yeah, like they come off the books the next season. But you still have Dante Hightower. Stephon Gilmore is going to count a little bit against the cap unless they trade him or cut him. Uh, I think after the beginning of the league year, uh, a couple other people are still going to be counting against the cap. They're they're going to have to really open up that checkbook and get dynamic with how they're going to bring people into in free agency if they're going to do that. Yeah. Listen, I'm just frustrated because I feel like, you know, the drafting aspect of it in itself has just been so bad. I mean, it's been it's been five years, and a lot of the talent that they've taken, that they've tried to essentially, you know, mold into the Patriot way, they've kind of walked out the door, right? The Channel Jones of the world, the, the Trey Flowers, or whoever it is. Like, even when they draft good talent, they can't seem to keep those guys here, right? So five years in or four years in, we should be at the mark right now where we have a, a, a you know, a bunch of core players that are on cheap rookie deals that we're looking to either extend or franchise, but we have none of that right now, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we have ta- there's no talent on on that on our roster anywhere, right? And looking at some of the numbers, the last time that Belichick actually drafted a Pro Bowl player was Jamie Collins in 2013, right? I mean, like I, I just don't understand where we're gonna get talent in the future as well with just how bad his track record is um, with the with the drafting in the past. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you we've we've taught we've hit this over the head a few times with you know the depth at the wide receiver position going into the season with such a rich wide receiver draft where guys drafted in the third fourth round would have been considered higher picks in other drafts and Belichick doesn't go out and he doesn't take one of them, mm-hmm. not even one, given the the state so, of the position. I don't want 
I don't want to say the game has passed Belichick by because listen, that's just that's just a stupid thing for me to say. But I do believe he goes after certain people that fit his system, the people that he enjoys being around and coaching and molding. Where you know he'll take the lesser talented guy as long as it fits like you know into his little system. Now I do wonder going forward because at the end of the day, the wild card always was Brady, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you can draft shit people, you can bring in shit free agents. Doesn't matter. You're gonna win 11, 10 games a year, and it doesn't matter essentially what kind of roster you put around Brady. But now I want to see if it changes going forward. Will he take a different approach? Will we spend some more money in, in free agents? Will he take a guy? Will he actually not? Will he actually take a guy in the first round instead of going back and getting fourteen, you know, fourth round picks in in ten years from now? Like, it's a lot to to kind of ponder into how this team is going to move forward. The screen on my phone might break if he does that again this year. What? I mean, I might I'll smash say, my phone. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I'll say this much only because you know. You guys are in uncharted territory. Like, you guys have not had to experience this. I mean, I, I'm young enough to, to remember the Drew Bledsoe years, uh, the one Me Super too. Bowl appearance. Um, but, I mean, this is – nobody wants to call it this, and you're never going to hear it out of Patriot Place, but this is the beginning of a rebuild. And the beginning part of that would have been the trade deadline today. We're going to – I'm calling it right now. You are going to see a flurry of transactions in the offseason – they're probably going to be eating a lot of dead cap space, but they're going to clear their books off and clear the decks and and, and kind of go back to you know go back to the drawing board uh, with with this team and and you know what like I, I think that's what's going to be needed because you know yeah everybody fit you know Bill Belichick's system uh, on defense and then for Josh McDaniels every, every you know certain players fit his offensive scheme and everything was timing based and I think that's why Cam Newton's struggling right now because he's not a quarterback that fits that but if if you're able to clear the decks you can kind of rebrand yourself because Tom Brady covered a lot of discrepancies and inefficiencies in this offense because we all know, and I'll come out and say this as not a Tom Brady fan, but just a fan of football, that if Tom Brady's on that team, at least on that final drive for the Patriots, he's not going to fumble the football. You're still going to live to fight another day, and you're still going to kick a field goal. It's little aspects of that that he played mistake-free football, and now you can't. there's nobody there to do that for the New England Patriots. Yeah. I think they just have to clear the decks of the chairs. Like my I, my Dolphins did that right now, and you know, as much as it sucked, like I don't mind it as of as of this moment. Well, I'm not ruling out of Tom Brady interception on that last drive either with the weapons they have. That's and you know the, way that, the offense that's is built. Fair enough, fair enough. But like I would say, it's more likely than not that he right. would not turn the ball over. Well, they're gonna they would have kept running the ball with the running backs. Which why didn't they just? Feed Damian that Harris at that place. point. Yep. Guy is a beast. He's been a beast since he's been on the field. Why not give it to him in that spot and let him be the guy? He was running all over Buffalo in the second half. Had a second 100-yard game in that. I, uh, why? Why are, we, why are we still going away from feeding a, a bell cow back, which he has shown the potential that he can be that here, why are we not doing it? Mm -hmm. Running the running attack is this team, this offensive team's only true strength is running the ball. Their offensive line was owning the Bills' defense, defensive front in the second half of the game uh, on Sunday. Why are you not feeding him? Feed him, feed him, feed him. Give him the ball. Let him do all the work for you. 
Instead of putting your quarterback out there to take hits and risk giving up a stupid fumble like they did at the end of that game. It just it just aggravates me. Oh my god. You right there, bro? <laughs> I, I feel a Cowboys esque rant. Dude, Let they had out, a chance. I feel the they pain. had a chance to right the ship this year. They had a chance to put themselves in playoff contention. Let's be honest, if they win that game, they're coming out of this four and four after next week. And you're in it. Yeah. Any given Sunday, they could beat one of the teams, you know, like the Chargers or the Rams or the Ravens. You Why mean? are they making these stupid, stupid decisions when all it takes is it, – it, their season, their record could be flipped with a series of probably three or four plays. And you could be looking at a four and three, five and two team. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's that, that was always the – you know, the way we won games, right? We didn't beat ourselves. We always mm-hmm. laughed at the opponents. Oh, my God. I can't believe they just fumbled while they were going to drive for the go-ahead touchdown. And that's something that obviously we don't have anymore, right? Uh, that's something with, with Brady. You always knew you are going to be in position with the game. And now we don't have the talent. We obviously don't have superior coaching because we're, we're bashing the coaching every single week. And on top that we're making mistakes like this team, even if it made the playoffs, I don't know. One and done. To, where your optimism was coming from, if this team made the playoffs, we're going to get throttled in the playoffs. I'd rather have it this way, where we're playing for a higher draft position, which, I mean, I don't know why I'm saying that, because obviously you can't draft for shit's worth, but, I mean, at least you have hope. At least you have hope in the draft now. It just it grinds my gears watching these games, and mm-hmm. I'm starved for a win. Hell, I was starved for a freaking touchdown oh my God, watching yeah. this game on Sunday. <laughs> I was like, can you give me a touchdown yeah. and stop yeah. kicking field goals like, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the penalties bad. early on in that game were ridiculous. The delay of game, like, come on. That's on That's on Cam Newton in the offense for them not mm-hmm. getting that snap off. Yeah. I don't know. It's the, uh, uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic. Yeah. Well, before, we, before we move on to, to my thing real quick, right now, I mean, we're going into week nine. Like, is are the Buffalo Bills – the best team in the AFC East? No. Miami's coming. Uh, Miami's coming. I think I learned more about Buffalo than I did about New England in that game. Because I thought for a 100%. fact that Buffalo Bills team was going to shut the door in the face of the Patriots and say, all right, we're here. We're taking over this division. And I just felt over and over again they just didn't have that killer instinct to put the Patriots away. And they let us back in the game. And I, and I 100% believe that if we didn't fumble that – that ball, we were going to win that game. So I think I on that drive. That. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I think we would have won that game. So I think I've learned more about the Bills. And, and I had the sneaky suspicion that they really weren't it. Um, and for the last four games or so, it started with the Titans, the Chargers, lackluster performance against the Jets, and now a all right performance against the Patriots. Yeah, they're two and two through that, but I'm not impressed with Josh Allen. He's only counted for five touchdowns and four interceptions in that span. The the running attack itself isn't. I thought it was gonna be better, but it's not that it's not that good. So I learned more about the Bills not being the elite AFC contender than I did over the Patriots in that game. Mark it now. Dolphins win the AFC East this year. Yeah, okay. You see, here's the thing. I would buy the Dolphins as the best team in the AFC East if Ryan Fitzpatrick was still the quarterback. Only because we don't really know what we're getting in Tua. We're going to get – I'm going to get to him in in my game review. He wasn't asked to do a whole lot. There were a couple of hits he took from Aaron Donald on Sunday that I thought he was going to die. 
Um, like if you know, if I see a little bit more out of Tua this week against Arizona, and then the following week, I think it's against the Chargers, um, then I would start buying into maybe the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC East right now. But in t- like right now, I still got to go with the Buffalo Bills at this point. All you got to do is look at the remaining schedules for both teams. Yeah. It's... The bill. The Bills have a gauntlet coming up, and Josh Allen's an average quarterback, maybe above average. You know, I I throw out the name Philip Rivers when he reminds me what he reminds me of a little bit. Philip Rivers was great, but he could never win the big game. He would always throw the bad interception. It would always hurt his team. That's Josh Allen. To me. I think he's a, I think he's an average quarterback to borderline above average, but he doesn't have that next level to get that team to to uh, to you know to be a true contender in this league. Yeah. Listen, I don't have to rehash my feelings on Josh Allen. I've said it many times. I don't think the guy is it. I think he has lucky streaks, four or five games in a row. People pretend like he's an MVP candidate, but essentially he'll fall back down to earth. Um, and, and that's what we saw over the last four games. So I do understand where you're coming from. I can see your argument. I do think Miami's coming as well. That defense is legit, um, and I think that defense can, uh, can can win that division. So I think I'm going Miami over Buffalo. Yeah, 100%. I'm, 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 Mark I'm it still, down. I'm still going with Buffalo. I still Take think they the win bank. the division. <laughs> Um, before we move Too early Patriots, for that. <laughs> before we move off the Patriots, let's just quickly preview the Monday Night Football game between the Patriots and Jets. Um, we, in the past, can just laugh this game off and be like, all right, well, by halftime, it'll be over so I can go do something else. But now, who the hell knows, right? Um, I do think the Patriots are going to end up winning this game against the Jets because the Jets are, are pretty horrid, man. They're, I haven't seen a team this bad. And I think they're purposely trying to be this bad, which is smart on their part. They're trying to get the number one overall pick and, and trying to get Trevor Lawrence. But uh, that Jets team was all kinds of bad, man. Did you guys see that that uh, that video going on Twitter where you know it was like, you can't take one second off in the NFL, and then it shows teams playing versus the Jets, and the, the Chiefs are <laughs> laughing and, and joking it up. So uh, they're a clown yeah. show. They're a laughing stock. I think we're going to beat them. If we don't, I might not be able to do a podcast on Tuesday night. <laughs> I thought you uh, – is this going to be a take-it-to-the-bank game for this you here? Is, this is a take-it-to-the-bank game. I think the Patriots correct uh, correct their ways. Let's call it like a 28-14 win. You're taking the money line though, right? You're not going against the spread? I'm just taking – yeah. I'm so I think the, I think the spread's seven and a half. No, it actually went down to seven. It's a touchdown. Mm. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in real quick. I – you know, the, the one good thing I guess you could say about the Jets is, like, they're actually trying to get LaMichael P. Ryan of uh, the football <laughs> as the running back to fill in for um, for Le'Veon Bell. And not the Kansas City game, everybody looked bad. But the game before, he looked pretty decent coming out of the backfield. And I, we just saw Buffalo run all over the New England Patriots. They can't contain the outside run. And I, I just think, you know, the, the Jets are going to keep pounding that. I... I think New England wins. I wouldn't be surprised. I have the Jets covering the seven, but after the games that we saw last week where Tennessee laid an egg against Cincinnati, the New York Giants took the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the to the limit last night on Monday Night Football. I honestly would not be surprised if this is the one win that the the New York Jets have this season. Because there's nothing <laughs> – There's in all honesty, there's been nothing on the defensive side of the football than New England Patriots, short of that like interception that Burge, like you said, was a mistake from Josh Allen uh, with miscommunication with, with um, Stephon Diggs. There's nothing inspiring about this defense right now. So uh, I'm fading this team. I would not be shocked if the Jets went outright. 
Could you imagine just how bad it's going to be in Boston if we lost to the Jets? Uh, Welcome I, to knowing uh, what a true uh, rebuild uh, feels like. If they lose to the Jets, Jay, I'm with you. I may boycott next Tuesday. I may do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your prediction for this game, sir? I am going to take the Patriots here. I think it is a perfect get-right game for a bad team. Um, maybe a game where Cam Newton can regain some of his confidence. Um, I mean, he was already hurting for confidence going into that Bills game, and I thought he did enough to regain it until he put the ball on the ground at the end of the game. That can be one of those those plays that eats away at you as a as a player going forward. Or, you know, couldn't even go for the rest of his career for that matter at this point. Um, I like the Patriots' running attack as long as the coaching staff feeds my boy Damian Harris. Feed him. <laughs> Average, averaging almost six yards a carry in the games that he's played. Yeah. Like, keep feeding him. I don't need to see Rex Burkhead carry the ball five, six, seven times a game. Give Damian Harris the touches and let them run all over him. And, you know, something else coming out of that good out of that Patriots game on, sun, on Sunday was Jacoby Myers coming out. Mm-hmm. He definitely has some chemistry with, with Cam Newton and... I want to see that continue, and I don't know. Are they going to get Nikhil Harry back for this game? If they get him back, that's just another guy on the field that they have to worry about. Not to say that he's you know done anything really, like, but I mean at this rate you need some, you need you need somebody. He's with better the than Gunnar Olszewski out there. Like that's very true, you know, he's more yeah. of a threat out there than him. So I I I. I, I can't I wonder... pick against my boys in this game. I, the Jets are winless. I hope that continues. If not. I'm going to be on watch here. I wonder if Cam Newton looks at the Panther situation and thinks to myself, my God, they have such good weapons. You know, because at, at one point they had Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and he's thinking to himself, what the fuck am I doing here with Demir Bird, Gunnar Oshelsky, and, and Jacoby Myers? <laughs> you know, to play into that before, I swear we're getting to my point that we're going to get to game preview, but to get to that point... To get to that point real quick, I think that's more of an indictment against Cam because they cut they cut Cam Newton. They ate a, a they ate a fucking salary cap hit. They paid thirty four million dollars for Teddy Bridgewater when they could have brought Cam Newton back for seventeen. His former coach didn't trade for him for a fifth round draft pick to go up to Washington. That he traded for his backup, and the only job offer he had was to go up to New England. Like I think that. At this point, at week nine, is more of an indictment on to why Cam Newton, besides the mental aspect of being open to being a backup quarterback in the NFL, was you know was more of an indictment as to why he was still a free agent. Yeah. That's my take on that. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. The fucking Chargers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank God. Thank they- God. They went into Buff- They went into Denver. Uh, they were uh, they lost thirty to thirty one. Denver Broncos won. At the end of the day, you know, at one point the, the Chargers were twenty four three leading, and somehow they managed to find a new way to give away uh, the game. Essentially, they are the uh, the Western version of the Atlanta Falcons, right? They're based in L.A. Um, so I think this the stat was they, it, this is four games this year that they had you know, leads of 16 points, and they gave it away for a loss. And I know Puma has some thoughts on this. So, sir, let's hear another epic-filled rant. Yeah, it's just, you know, they should be getting buried more than the Atlanta Falcons right now. 
the only reason why they're not is because the Falcons choked on the greatest stage of all time in the Super Bowl, and they just haven't been able to shake that monkey off their back. But, I mean, the Chargers, this is, like you said, Jay, this is the fourth the fourth game in a row where they blew a 16-point or more lead. They had the, the, the Denver Broncos on the ropes, and then here comes Drew Locke with his ragtag team of offensive skill position players led by, I think it was K.J. Hamler, with the uh, the he called game touchdown in the uh, at the end of the game, um, it, it's at, at at what point do they finally just look themselves in the mirror and just rip the bandaid off with this coaching staff? And and I get it, like they just drafted um, Justin Herbert. You don't want to have too many changes on the coaching staff with a rookie quarterback. We've seen it time and time again. You can look at Alex Smith when he got drafted and he had like five different head coaches and offensive coordinators in his, in his first six years as a quarterback out there. But at, at some point, this this team is never going to like win. Like they've always found ways to lose games, whether it was last minute field goal misses, uh, bullshit like this, blowing, you know, 14, 16 point leads. It's at some point you need to make the change. And I, I think at this point, they should definitely get rid of their defensive coordinator because the defense was the biggest liability out of halftime in that game against Denver. I, I hear Wade Phillips is looking for a job. I think he would be great with that defensive core, but it sucks because they just traded Desmond King to the Tennessee Titans, and that was a big part of their se- uh, secondary that they just lost via trade yesterday. So this team is like... The most underperforming team in the NFL, short of like the Dallas Cowboys. Because th- this team, this team should be contending for the AFC West right now. Definitely a wild card team. And they're what? They're two and two and five, two, two and, and six. Five. Yep. Like five. there's there's no excuse for everything that Justin Herbert has been doing with Austin Eckler out. You've had um uh God, what's his name? Uh, Keenan Allen, uh, Keenan Allen in and out of the lineup with back spasms, and he's always dinged up. Hunter Henry is, you know, kind of here and there every other game. This team should be demoing people right now if they had the full band together, and they just can't get out of their own fucking way at the end of a game. And if I'm if I'm a Charger fan, I would start calling for for a coaching change, like stat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, I think you're spot on. I think you've seen this Chargers, uh, you know, front office with the GM being able to put and draft talent. Um, essentially, they put together a good team um, with the pickups, with, you know, obviously the Bosa's and the Herberts. This team has talent. I, I do believe this coaching staff, it needs to go because if you look at all the stats from Sunday's game, like total yardage, 485 Chargers, 351 Broncos, right? 275 passing yard, 243 for the Broncos, uh, 210 rushing yard, and 108 uh, for the Broncos. Like, everything along the line in regards to stats lean towards uh, the the Chargers, and somehow they still blew a 24-3 lead. Now, I will say this. As much as I love Justin Herbert, like, I have a man crush on him. I've already said that. I think he's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I do believe his two turnovers were fairly costly in this game as well. And I hope I hope this isn't becoming a trend with him because we've seen this in the first few games where there's a lot of good to see, but there's a lot of turnovers as well that I don't like that I don't like, right? I mean at the end of the day, you know, he he, he could be, you know, Daniel Jones in eighteen games if he keeps his turnovers up. So I, I like what I'm seeing out of Justin Herbert. He's gonna cut down on the turnovers though. I don't know. I you know, you gotta think the injury to Austin Eckler has impacted them. A little bit here. I mean, in terms of running the ball, I mean, you're working with Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson, and 
Josh Kelly has been kind of losing his touches over the last couple of weeks. Justin Jackson, since he's been in the league, he he had a couple of flashes early on, but uh, you know since then he's been he's been very uh, lackluster, so to speak. I mean, I think I think I think the offense scores even more with you know when when Eckler comes back. And let let me ask you, are they the best two and five team in the league? I think so. I mean, the the defense the defense turtled up. Definitely against Denver, and a, a bit it could have gone either way against the Saints. But I, I mean, this this team on both sides of the football is way too talented. Like, I mean, unless the argument is that like if Austin Eckler's back there, maybe they can run between the tackles and milk the clock, so you don't have to put the defense in that position. Like, I could buy that. But I mean, mm-hmm. you're facing a team that is without Cortland Sutton. Their leading mm-hmm. receiver is KJ Hamler, who I think was just coming off of a hamstring injury. Noah Fant had an okay game. Philip Lindsay broke the game open with a 53-yard touchdown run. Like th- this is a team that should have at least stopped the bleeding a little bit on the defensive side of the football, and they were just lost out there, like I am in math class. So. Well- uh, I can't. <laughs> well, uh, Bert, I'm going to push back on your on your uh, you know rushing analysis because at the end of the day, they did run the ball really well. They ended up with 210 rushing yards, and in regard and on top of that, like all the running backs were Justin Jackson, 5.2 yards uh, for the average carry. You know, Pope had 6.7, Josh Clay 4.6 average per carry. It's not that. It's the fa- it's just the fact that I think Justin Herbert is very careless with the ball because his interceptions let um let uh Saint uh, New Orleans back in the game, let Tampa Bay back in the game, and then let let the Denver Broncos back in the game as well. Hell, the Chiefs too. They had the Chiefs on the ropes too when he threw an interception. I forgot about that. I mean, they had these guys in position to win, but I think his turnovers and the fact that the defense itself kind of shits the bed occasionally is one of the main reasons why I think the coaching staff needs to be looked at in regards to maybe some, uh, some changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've never been a fan of Anthony Lynn as a head coach. I mean, I th- take this back to when – uh, what was it? The uh, 2018 when they you, they just had a big playoff win in the wild card game, and the Patriots were a suspect two seed in that 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 year, and they a lot of people around Boston around here were were picking the Chargers to come in and basically steamroll the Patriots, mm-hmm. and continue on into the uh, AFC Championship game where the opposite happened and the Patriots blew them out. Like the team was clearly not ready to play. In, in you know a big divisional game in a hostile environment up here in Foxborough, you know I, I agree with you on on the coaching staff that you know I, he's had enough chances maybe maybe now that they've found a quarterback I mean Daniel Jones I mean granted some of the timing of his picks have been you know obviously bad brutal he's only it's getting hard he, to defend him he's only thrown five all year what yeah. Yeah, he's thrown five picks. He threw one against Kansas City, one against Carolina, one against Tampa, and then two against Denver on Sunday. Listen, I don't want to go on this tangent about Daniel Jones because we all know how I feel about him, but the guy has more turnovers than Jameis Winston since the last, what, beginning of last year? I mean, like, we saw a stat last night after he threw up on Monday Night Football. The guy is not a good quarterback. Well, I'm talking about Herbert, not the, not Jones. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about Danny Jones. No, I'm talking about Herbert. Herbert's only okay, thrown five picks. If yeah, I said Jones, my bad. But Herbert's oh, thrown okay. five yeah, picks this that, year. That makes sense. Yeah, because Puma, did I, did, I'm sorry, did I hear something that's wrong here? But regardless, whatever you're my bad. But you're right. The Justin Herbert is a good quarterback. I do think that, you know, the analysis I was trying to make with him and Daniel Jones was the fact that, you know, if he continues those picks, he could end up being that quarterback that is looked at as, you know, hey, promising, but way too many turnovers. 
I think I think now after this season, considering it's obvious the Chargers aren't going to go anywhere, mm-hmm. now would be a good time for them to make a coaching change. He's a rookie. He's just coming in. He's got experience. It'd be better for them to do it now than say after next season or the season after that. Like mm-hmm. he's clearly he's clearly got talent. He's clearly an NFL starting quarterback with the potential to be the next level for them. And if you give him a competent coaching staff after his rookie season where he comes in and he performs really well, I think that could that could really boost his development. You guys agree? I think so, but it, it, it's really going to depend. They, they need to get an offensive-minded coach in there. And, you know, part of it was joking, but part of it was serious. Like, Wade Phillips is a great defensive coach. Like, he coached that L.A. Rams team – defensive-wise, to get to the Super Bowl against New England a couple of years ago. Like, I love him as a defensive coordinator. I think if he's able to get his hands on, you know, Ingram and, and Bosa and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a healthy – I forget the, the fellow's name that works – that's in the secondary. I think he's a safety. Um, if he can get his hands on those three core guys and the, that linebacker that they just took uh, in the draft this year, that would yeah. be a fun core on the defense to, to watch – but they, they definitely need to make a change on the defensive side of the football coaching-wise because there was there's no excuse to blow that that much of a lead on, on the road in Denver. Mm, yeah. All right, uh, let's move to uh, week nine uh, previews. Um, let's start off with the Thursday night football game with the 5-2 and two Green Bay Packers going up against the 4-4 four and four, uh, San Francisco 49ers. Let's start with the Green Bay Packers, right? At the end of the day, I always say any given Sunday, we all say that. That's why we love the NFL. But I did not expect the one in five Minnesota Vikings to go and beat the five and one uh, Green Bay Packers the way they did. Uh, it was a 28 22 game. Uh, Vikings won, and they essentially ran all over the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. I mean, it's not even funny the, the holes that, that were being opened up uh, for the running backs. Whoever started Dalvin Cook was probably having a hell of a day, but they Me? ended up with <laughs> you, right? What do you have, like 50 points, Burge? 51 for me in my league. Nice. Wow. I mean, they ended up with 173 rush yards against that uh, Packers defense, which is just hard against the run. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm leaning towards picking the San Francisco 49ers this game is because, listen, the 49ers are a run-first team. They get very creative. Mike, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan is absolutely brilliant with the way he designed some of these plays. I think, you know, with Jimmy G being out, listen, I don't think he's that much of a quarterback. I think, you know, Mullins is going to be, you know, just as efficient as handing the ball off uh, to his running backs. I think I'm leaning with the Packers, I'm sorry, the, the 49ers here on Thursday Night Football to uh, get the big upset going. Give me like 49ers 21, like 17. I think that might be a that might be a good score for this game. I don't know. I I I like I like I like the Packers here. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna run the ball for the 49ers here? I mean, is Debo gonna be back? No, is... he's gonna miss. I think he's missing this game. So we just I just saw today that Tevin Coleman is going to be out again. I mean, you're re- basically rolling with Wilson, McKinnon and and Jamichael Hasty in this game. Uh, obviously you have Brandon Ayuk uh, out there who can, you know, run and get create, you know, get creative with the play calling, but I I, I you know, a, a quarterback that has only played in I don't know how many games Mullins has, Mullins has played this year, but I, I like I like Aaron Rodgers here. You know his connection with Devonte Adams is unbelievable. Um, 
boosted my fantasy team this week to 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 victory. Um, is it, it, maybe Aaron Jones comes back uh, this week? Um, I mean, my pick with for the Packers kind of relies on that, considering AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams are gonna be on the COVID list, so their running game could be in serious jeopardy. But if Aaron Jones is playing and Adams is out there, I I, I like I like the Packers in this game. Uh, uh, 28 to 17. Okay. Okay. I'm with you, Jay. I I like the 49ers in this game. Uh, Vegas, or at least DraftKings, the official, unofficial uh, sportsbook app of the Pro Football Radio Podcast. Uh, Right now, the 49ers are five and a half point underdogs. The over-unders have 15 and a half. I kind of like the under in this game just because of the the limited quarterback play you're going to get on the San Francisco 49ers, I think you're you're just going to draw up, like you said, Jay, get these guys in space, get creative with the run game. Green Bay can't stop the run. We saw that last week against Minnesota. We saw it in the playoff game against um, the 49ers last year in the championship game. Um, I think that trend's going to continue. Um, I said it last week. The 49ers are kind of running back university. They can plug anybody back there, and they're going to look great uh, as the running back going between the tackles. And I just I, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in, in in Green Bay in this spot. I mean, this is a spot where they have to bounce back. I mean, we can all say what we want about the Chicago Bears, but like they're still knocking on the door of the division lead here. I think they might be holding on by the skin of their teeth at this point after losing to New Orleans. But, I mean, if they lay an egg on Thursday night against the 49ers, there's going to be a lot of questions going into the following week, especially since there were so many rumors of how they could have traded for Will Fuller to shore mm-hmm. up the offensive unit. Granted, even if they traded for him today, he wouldn't be able to play because of COVID protocols. But, like, moving forward, that would have been a huge move that's, that may bite them in the ass if they lose on Thursday night, especially because – it, it's a wing and a prayer that Aaron Jones is going to play if they, the medical staff clears him from a strained calf. I, mm-hmm. I like the 49ers in this game. Give me the points with them at five and a half. Okay. Uh, next game, we got the Seattle Seahawks going cross-country, taking on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Seattle Seahawks are 6-1. and one, Buffalo Bills are 6-2. and two. Now, we've already talked about how the Buffalo Bills are pretenders, so I'm not going to go ahead and go into all that again real quick. But I think I'm taking Seattle in this game because, listen, at the end of the day, you know, Russell Wilson is playing at an insane level, man. He had four touchdowns against the 49ers this past week, 261 yards, and, and he's hooking up quite a bit with his buddy DK Metcalf, who's also an up-and-emerging wide receiver, man. Like, people are calling him the next Megatron with 161 yards on Sunday and two touchdowns. Now, on the defensive side, they actually played pretty good defense this game. They only gave up 52 rushing yards to San Francisco 49ers. Passing yardage was 299, but a lot of that was was in the uh, mop-up duty with Mullins coming in. So I was impressed with the, the defensive effort from the Seattle Seahawks this week. Couple that with the fact they just traded for Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals mm-hmm. who provides some rush, uh, rushing ability, and Jamal Adams is going to be eventually healthy and going to come back. Uh, I think the Seattle Seahawks are rounding into form as one of the best uh, NFC uh, teams. Uh, so I think I'm taking the Seahawks here. Uh, give me like 32, 32, 27. 32. That's an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with you with the uh, with picking the Seahawks in this game. I love me some DK Metcalf. Lovely fantasy, lovely fantasy uh, performer for me this week. Yes. Oh, my God. Don't even start. Hey, um, he, he, he had my team kicked out of the casket like the Undertaker gif. 
Swear to God, I'm, I'm back in playoff contention because I was able to to kick out a two with uh, with him and, and the Buccaneers defense holding on by the skin of their teeth last night. There you go. I mean, I love me some DK Metcalf. And, you know, I think the Bill, like we, we talked about, Jay mentioned it, the Bills are pretenders this year. I like the Seahawks to come in here and kind of run away with this game. Um, like you said, the defense, the rush defense was good last week. The the uh, the Bills ran all over the Patriots this week with a subpar defense. Um, I like the I like the Seahawks here. Probably we'll say thirty five to twenty one. All right, you guys you guys ready for this? Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Take it to the big bet, baby! Oh, all right, so so here I am here I am in life. I'm taking the three points. Uh, for for Buffalo, Buffalo are three point underdogs. Vegas is calling this as a uh, a fifty five total. I, I kind of like the over in this game as well too. But my take to the bank bet is Buffalo plus the three points. And, and here's the reason why: like the the offensive weapons on paper uh, for Buffalo are are amazing. You have maybe Dawson Knox might come back. He was on the COVID list uh, along with half the tight end room. Uh, last week and I think the week before, but Stefan Diggs is still there. John Brown looks healthy. Uh, you have the running game going with Singletary and Zach Moss actually saw the field and did something last week. And Josh Allen can still say what you want about Josh Allen. I'm a Josh Allen believer. Uh, I like Josh Allen as a quarterback. Um, low rent, poor man's Cam Newton. I, I, I think he's going to be able to run. The only thing is Seattle is good against the run. So they're going to have to get dynamic with the play, play calling. Brian Dable's going to have to get some people in space. But the Seahawks defense, even with Carlos Dunlap and you know Jamal Adams coming off of a soft tissue injury that sidelined him for the last couple of weeks, they runny nose. They're the worst in the league at stopping the pass. And I think you're going to see a big game from Stephon Diggs. I think John Brown is going to light up the stat sheet this week and uh, give me. Give me Buffalo. Give me Buffalo at home plus the points and uh, put it on the board. Well, so so you're picking the points here, but who do you outright think wins the game? Oh, Buffalo. I think they win the game outright. And okay. I would buy I would buy the Seattle Seahawks running game if they had Chris Carson back there. And he might be another game time decision, but as of recording right now, I think it's going to be the 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 DJ show again. Uh, was it DJ Williams? Is that DJ his name? Dallas. DJ Dallas. That was close enough. Uh, DJ Dallas is probably going to be the lead running back with Travis Homer as a uh, running back two on that team. Uh, if Chris Carson's playing, I might lean a little bit more towards Seattle, but right now give me Buffalo winning outright, covering the spread, going over. Give me everything. I lo- Take I it point, to the bank. Point Take it to the bank. <laughs> Puma, at what point do you think you'll be off the Josh Allen bandwagon? What do you, what do you got to see for you to be like, ah, oh, maybe he's not it. Mm. Another Daniel. playoff debacle? You know what? Like, not even. Like, I I don't know, man. I, I don't know what it would be to, to be the, the bridge that finally causes me to cross the, the Rubicon of getting off of the, the Josh Allen bandwagon. But, like, you know, I compare him, and I think it's a fair comp, uh, of Cam Newton. Like, if you look at their first three years in the league, their completion percentage is about the same. Allen through 12 games was at 53%. Uh, Cam Newton was at 60. 2,000 yards for Josh Allen, but he was hurt for a portion of that. Cam Newton, 4,000 yards. 10 touchdowns to 12 picks to 21 touchdowns to 17 for Cam Newton. 
like every year so far, Josh Allen has improved on his completion percentage. Right now through eight games, he's at 67%. Through the entirety of Cam Newton's third year in the league, he, he finished the year at 617 um, I think he's going to be a little bit more prolific as a passer moving forward. I think he's above average, possibly on the border of making that next step uh, into, you know, the uh, the borderline elite category, I guess you could say. Ugh. I mean, really, what, what bails him out, what bails him out is his rushing attack. And I said this earlier on the podcast this year, that if Josh Allen was able to keep the momentum going on the offensive side of the football through the air and do what Cam Newton did in 2015 with getting like, what do you have? Like 15 rushing touchdowns and maybe like 500 rushing yards or something like that. Like that would put him in legit MVP conversations, but you know, they're one third down drive away from beating Kansas city. They laid an egg against Tennessee. They barely showed a D plus effort against the jets and they held on by the skin of their teeth against new England. It's just like the little things in between the lines that have caused issues for this team and have people saying they're pretenders. I, I'm a Josh Allen fan. As a Dolphins fan, I wouldn't mind that? Josh Allen as my quarterback. I think with how and I think you know what I'll double down too. I think there are a <laughs> lot of teams out there that you know people might say, "Oh my God, I can't stand Josh Allen." But like, I, I would if I'm a Vikings fan, I would take Josh Allen over Kirk Kirk Cousins in a cocaine heartbeat. So with how long winning the answer was and how much you have to defend him, I feel like it's uh, I feel like you're never gonna come off the Josh Allen bandwagon. Is what you're trying to say, right? And that's okay. That's okay. Like if he wasn't okay. if he wasn't able to run, y'all. Like if he wasn't able to run and keep plays alive for for better or for worse, because he has been careless with the football. And yeah, I would be off of the the bandwagon. But like I said, like he is a, a very good comp to a young Cam Newton when he first came in the league right now. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the 5-2 and two Baltimore Ravens taking on the 5-2 and two Indianapolis Colts. And let's start with the Colts. Um, they ended up winning 41-21 against the Lions this past week. Um, for the most part, I mean, it was really not close. 20-point win. You knew who the better team was. But I do want to talk about the Baltimore Ravens for a little bit because I think what's happening in, in Ravenland is a little fascinating. They are coming off of a 28-24 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is obviously no shame because the Steelers are one of the best AFC uh, teams. Mm -hmm. But in the fashion they lost, it's it's a pretty horrendous, right? If you look at the stats, total yards 457 for the Ravens, 221 for the Steelers. Total rushing yards 192, Ravens 173, Steelers. Uh, pa uh, rushing yards, I'm sorry, uh, passing yards 192 and 173, and then rushing yards was 265 and 48. And they still somehow lost the game because Lamar Jackson turned the ball over four times, right? And I think we're starting to see the book being written on Lamar Jackson. He's fairly quiet. You don't hear much about the Ravens. Ever since they lost to the Chiefs, they're just kind of out there in Ravenland. We don't really pay much attention. But if you look closely, Lamar Jackson has had some issues with the, his three biggest games this year, this calendar year, right? He lost the playoff game, he lost to the Chiefs, and he lost to the Steelers. And I am concerned that people are starting to figure out, hey, man, let's just throw as many people as we can up against the line and see if he can throw us, uh, throw you guys, throw the Ravens into a win. So with that being said, I think I'm leaning toward the Indianapolis Colts here because I feel like the book is starting to be written on Lamar Jackson. Um, with how well they're playing and how well their defense is playing, I think they're going to be able to you know, essentially stack the box and make him throw the ball. And if they get down, if, if the Ravens get down somehow by 10 points or 14 points, he's going to throw them back into the game. There's absolutely no way that's going to happen. So give me the culture in the realm of a 31 to a uh, 24 kind of win. Uh, 
You know what? Like, I'm going to piggyback on the the Lamar thing real quick because I felt like they they had Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is one of the better teams, probably the best team in the AFC against the run. And they were gashing, they being the Ravens, they were gashing the, the Pittsburgh Steelers on the ground almost all game. And, and I, I think they went away from the run a, a little bit. I, I still think they could have, you know, kept going back to the well because they, they, Pittsburgh wasn't stopping them. Like, we kind of got the J.K. Dobbins breakout game a little bit. I think he ended the day with, what was it, like 13, 14 run with 117 rushing yards. I don't think he found the end zone. Gus Edwards did. Uh, fucking vulture. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we saw the J.K. Dobbins show, and he looked like the better running back. And I, I really hope, as a former J.K. Dobbins owner, of course, uh, that he becomes the lead back because that backfield looks better with J.K. Dobbins as the running back than Mark Ingram. And, uh, you know, I think the Baltimore Ravens, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN brought this point up, and I, I think it's actually somewhat true. They're really missing, uh, you know, Hayden Hurst right now uh, as the tight end in that team. I mean, Mark Mark Andrews is was the go-to tight end, but you know, ever since Hayden Hurst left, you see less three tight end sets, and you know, his yards per catch is down right now. And you know, that's really the only thing I can think of as to why they struggle through the air and passing the ball. It's not because of the wide receivers. They still have the same wide receiver cast. They have a disgruntled Hollywood Brown right now, but they still have Hollywood Brown. They have Willie Sneed there. Um, I think they really just should have picked up a tight end via trade today uh, to really go back to basics with this offense. Um, long-winded answer. I, I, I lean towards Indy. I like the over in this game. Uh, the only thing that scares me is Philip Rivers just throwing a duck at this defense, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to get Yannick Ngakwe this week. He's going to clear the COVID protocol. I I lean Indianapolis, but give me the over in this game for sure. I'm with you, with you, uh, Puma, on this. With uh, Philip Rivers, um, he's only thrown six picks this year. I've always been on the um, the point of the Colts being kind of a pretender team this year um that being said Lamar Jackson this year has definitely regressed um it's hard to pinpoint why but I've been calling this since last season I was waiting for somebody to actually do it and to actually you know prove that point um it's hard for me to pick the Colts in this game, but I'm going to. I think it's going to be close. Um, the Ravens' defense, I think, is 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 legit, and it's just going to be a Philip Rivers duck, as you put it, Puma, an interception to one of uh, one of the Ravens to to end this game. Um, give me the Colts in a close one. We'll say 24-21. Uh, this one's been hard for me to pick. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't really figure it out today either because I, I really don't like what I've seen on the offensive side of the football for Baltimore. But like the ultimate equalizer is Philip Rivers with a backbreaking interception at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, do you guys think Lamar Jackson wins a playoff game this year? No. Hmm. Mm. God, I mean, at this rate, Pittsburgh looks like they might win the division. They're going to be a two or three seed. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I think if that's the case, then Lamar Jackson, like, that pressure's coming, man. Like, I mean, that's going to be, what, three straight years you can't win a playoff game, and some of the biggest games that you are in, uh, you know, the book is written. Well, let's get the lead early. Let's get him out of their running attack. Let's let's get him out of their game plan and have Lamar Jackson throw the ball. And then once that happens, you get mm-hmm. games like this did. Like you, games the, you get games like you did this past Sunday with four four turnovers from Lamar. So it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out for Lamar in the next few games. I'm with you on that. I, uh, I It was only a matter of time before the league figured him out. Obviously, last season was, was stellar out of him, but... They faltered in the playoffs against the Titans. Um, yeah, I if they play wild card weekend, I could see them winning a game, mm-hmm. which they probably will given the, the playoff format. But uh, maybe they win one. You know, I, I know I was quick to say no, but maybe they win one against, you know, one of the wild card teams or, you know, one of the bad division winners. But I, they're not going anywhere right now. And I agree with the pressure being on him. Um, he's going to be coming up soon, uh, for a deal. Obviously they're going to extend him off his fifth year option, but you know, I, I think the league's kind of figured him out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the four and three Miami Dolphins versus the five and two Arizona Cardinals. Puma, I know this is your team, so I'm going to turn it over to you. You set it up. You give us your rundown. You rant and rave. Let's hear it, sir. Let's hear how you feel about these Dolphins. I mean, I love I love me my Miami Dolphins. I love the defense. Christian Wilkins is probably my favorite player on this team right now. And it started on draft day when you know he he basically tried to do like a jump up with uh, Roger Goodell and he almost killed him on the stage. But no, like in all seriousness, this defense has flown under the radar. Uh, Jay, you sent me the stat from Jeff Darlington. Uh, they are the, the the top team in the league and I think points allowed or, or, or something like that. They're one of the top defenses right now in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, this is this is the hallmark of Brian Flores. We saw it in the uh, in New England, especially against the Super Bowl. They, they kind of did an amoeba-style defense, cover zero, confused the hell out of Jared Goff. And, and we saw it again on Sunday against the Rams. Um, I The offensive side of the football, I'm not sold on. Like, the, the, again... The defense did enough that they didn't have to ask for a whole lot out of uh, Tua Tungavailoa in his debut. Um, I think I have a stat line here. 12 of 22, 93 yards, one touchdown, one fumble, and, and one hit from Aaron Donald that I thought he got you know murdered on. Uh, I, I think he ended up like four feet in the ground. But, I mean, this game, they're going to have to ask for a lot more uh, out, of, uh, out of Tua because this defense can be beaten. We've seen it on uh, on Sunday night against the the Seahawks. The Cardinals give up a ton of yards through the air uh, on the ground. They can be beaten as well too. But our running back core isn't that great. Um, and you know Miles Gaskin's going to be out for at least three weeks. And we just traded for DeAndre Washington out of Kansas City. I I think this is kind of a bad spot for Tua. Um, I like the Cardinals in this game. I think Chase Edmonds is the, the better running back in Arizona over Kenyon Drake. And I think Chase Edmonds is going to run wild in this game. Um, I like Kyler Murray. I like DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. The only thing that scares me is the, the secondary can't shut down the wide receiver core. So I think you're going to see a little bit more of Kyler Murray running around. Um, long story short, Give me Arizona winning outright. I think the point spread is four and a half, uh, but give me Arizona to win. 
Yeah, yeah. Listen, I I watched this game the other day with the Rams and the Dolphins, and listen, I understand how you guys won. I understand the fact that you have you know two fumbles and two interceptions, and that's one of the main reasons why. But you know, the, I think the Miami Dolphins defense did give up quite a bit of yardage, right? It, it was a classic you know bend but don't break uh, mentality because you guys give up 471 total yards, 340 passing, 131 rushing, 5.1 yards per play. Um, so it, it was one of those things where, yeah, you know, obviously those turnovers are crucial and they're critical and that's when people, you know, lose or win games, but defensively, I wasn't that impressed. I mean, I thought you guys can definitely play better defense in regards to the offense. I do believe the coaching staff played a very conservative with Tua. I mean, 93 yards and a touchdown, you know, only 12 attempts. Uh, I'm sorry, 12 completions and 22 attempts. I, th- I think they were just kind of, you know, in the mindset of let's get him out of here with some experience. Let's not get him hit. Let's not have one of those massive, you know, tackles by Aaron Donald. It's going to knock him out for another six, you know, weeks or whatever it is. But I, I think I think you're going to see a different uh, Miami Dolphins team this uh, this week against the Arizona Cardinals. I think they're going to come out slinging. I think they're going to open the playbook up for Tua. Uh, they're really going to want to see what this kid's made out of. So I think I'm leaning Miami Dolphins to get the upset here against the uh, the Cardinals, um, call it like a, like a 24 to 20 game. Interesting. Interesting. Uh I love this Cardinals team. I love, uh, I love what Kyler's doing down there. Their receiving core is great with, uh, Hopkins and Kirk. And then obviously you can't forget old reliable that doesn't drop passes. Larry Fitzgerald down there. Um, I'm going to go with the Cardinals in this game. I, I, you know, I like you, Puma, I'm excited to see what Chase Edmonds can do um, with the lead role down there. I've, I've been a big fan of him. I mean, he, I did a Madden, Madden franchise with him, and he was a beast. So uh, that's really where I first learned about him. I've, I, I like to think that now is his opportunity to kind of seize that job down there with Kenyon Drake in a uh, contract year and unlikely to play this weekend. So... I, I, you know, I want to see what Tua has against a, a, a you know, a, a legit team. I still think that the offense of the Cardinals will will prevail in this game. Obviously, I love the secondary with the Cardinals as well uh, to defend against Devontae Parker and the Dolphins' op- offense with Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson. Uh, give me the Cardinals in this game. Give him, give him to me. Uh, I think I don't think it's gonna be a close one. I, this was one of the games on the Dolphins' schedule. I predicted them to lose. Give him to me, 31-17. Um, you know, with you know Chase Edmonds kind of shining. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I don't really see how they're gonna get anything done through the air because Devontae Parker is gonna get shadowed by Patrick Peterson, like unless Preston Williams, who I'm a fan of. Don't get it twisted. I love me some Preston Williams last year before he blew his knee out. Uh, he's going to eat uh, Kirkpatrick's lunch like Tyler Lockett did. I I don't really see how they're going to do it through the air. Yeah. Okay. Is this a, a 1 o'clock game or a 4 o'clock game, Puma? I think it's a 1 o'clock game. Okay. Cool, cool. We'll see. No, actually, I lied. 425. It might be on Fox. Ah. Nice, nice, nice. All right, let's move on to the final game that we're going to be previewing this week. Let's uh, move on to the uh, 6-2 Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the 5-2 New Orleans Saints. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming off of a lackluster performance last time when that football day one, 25-23 on what I can only say is one of the best officiating jobs I've seen in a while. Usually the refs are pretty Get out of here. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> 
the uh, I think this was a classic trap game for the Buccaneers. I mean, they were they were I think double digit favorites if I have my if memory serves me correct. But you can see it. They came out with no energy. They were looking forward to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they're barely lucky to get a win last night. And if Daniel Jones was a better quarterback, I mean, they would have they would have lost this game. I mean, we're talking like three or four times I saw Darius Slayton running down the field wide open and uh, Jones couldn't get him the ball. So I I think what we saw out of the Buccaneers last night is not too alarming. I think if they have a bad performance against the New Orleans Saints this upcoming week on Sunday Football, I'm going to be much more alarmed. But on the other end, the Saints, they beat the Bears uh, 26-23 uh, on Sunday. And uh, I am a little bit concerned about Drew Brees because I saw this two, three weeks in where he was having issues getting the ball uh, to his receivers. Like you can just see, like he's back to that, putting everything he has into a six-yard pass. Uh, there, there's something there with Breeze again. Maybe it's November. Maybe he's trying to feel the. Uh, Maybe the he's old. Well, you know, it's starting to feel the wear and tear of the season. I mean, there's some weeks where he's great, some weeks where he looks like he's crap. So, listen, but at the end of the day, you guys know where I'm going here. I think Antonio Brown's coming back. He's going to get probably, I would say, uh, 20 snaps if I had to guess. Uh, today, uh, Bruce Aaron said he'll get either 10 snaps or 30 snaps, depending on how the game goes. They're going to try to get him out there and feature him a little bit in his three and four wide receiver sets from everything that's come out of Tampa Bay. Apparently, the guy's in phenomenal shape. So, we should see Antonio, Brack on the, Antonio Brown back on the field. Godwin might be back. Mike Edmund looks like he's starting to get healthy and he's looking fairly well. Um, I think I'm taking the Buccaneers here in a little bit of a blowout. I think it's going to be like a 42 to a... Uh, oh. 24 blowout of uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, give me the Buccaneers. Uh, Burge, I know you got something to say. You got the floor. I think the Buccaneers showed us something last night. They played down to competition, and that was clearly evident last night. They had a hard time moving the ball against a Giants defense that's not really that great. Um. Does anybody know the status of Michael Thomas for this game yet? I think it's too early to tell, but I think it's I think it's too early to tell. I think he's slated to come back, uh, but it, it's not really the ankle at this point; it's the hamstring. So he's gonna practice Thursday and Friday. And he's gonna somehow sit out on Sunday. There's something more going on down there. I know, I know, injuries are what's covering it up, but I think there's something else going on down there in New Orleans with Michael Thomas. There probably is, but if he suits up and he plays, I mean. Even without him, I you know, I I'm not sold on the Buccaneers. I mean, they were a bad flag pickup last night away from losing or going to overtime against the New York Giants, the dismal New York Giants who find ways to lose games. I, I the coaching staff can't seem to get this team up for these games. You know, I I the Saints beat them already once this year. I know it's hard to beat a team twice in the NFL, but you know, give me the Saints in this game. I, you know, I, I think they're going to move the ball. Alvin Kamara is a beast. They, you know, they're going to move the ball on this team. You know, give give them to me. You know, let's say 31 to 24 in this game. I, you know, I'm I'm still not a buyer in the Buccaneers, and maybe it's the bias in me. You know, we've talked about this off air, Jay. But give me give me the Saints, man. I, you know, I, you know, for at least to save 2020 for me, give me the Saints. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you, Burridge. I, I I'm gonna go with the Saints in this matchup only because, I mean, we can all say what we want about Daniel Jones and the New York Giants, but what you can't like you definitely have to give credit to is that Giants team 
played exceptionally hard for Joe Judge last night, and I think absolutely that is that is a testament Brilliant. to the coaching. And, and 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 I didn't mind the Joe Judge hire as a you know as a I guess a pundit. I'm not a New York Giants fan, but I liked what Joe Judge brought to the table. And I mean, this team they they should have rolled. On paper, they should have destroyed the New York Giants, and they should have covered that spread easily. There's nobody on that defense that scares anybody. Logan Ryan is a, a guy with a pulse back there right now, and the defensive front is only good at stopping the run, and once Ronald Jones fumbled the football, th- that running game was really nowhere to be found. Like They, they, mm-hmm. stuffed, they stuffed Leonard Fournette, and they kind of smothered that aerial attack for the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially on a bullshit helmet to helmet call on Cameron Brake that Cameron Brake should have gotten flagged for. But I mean, mm-hmm. in this, it's, it's a huge divisional matchup. I, I like the Saints here. I think even if Michael Thomas doesn't go, Alvin Kamara is going to fill the stat seat because they're going to line him up wide. They're going to use him in the backfield, and Latavius mm-hmm. Murray can also take tote the rock out the backfield as well too. Um, so give me, give me the, give me the Saints, and just from a coaching perspective, I, I just think as much as I've bashed Sean Payton for turtling up in the playoffs, like we've seen it all year that this is not a disciplined team from Tampa Bay. They've gotten better since the Chicago game, but I think Marshawn Lattimore is going to get under Mike Evans' skin as always, and Mike Evans is going to be one swing away from just getting tossed out in the first quarter. And it's, it's going to be a mess on the offensive side of the football betting wise. If you can find any prop bet with Antonio Brown, take the over and everything because one Bruce Arians is basically a documented liar as a head coach, as a head coach, just not even with Antonio Brown, but always saying like, Oh, this guy's going to be the lead running back. Oh, this guy, we're going to showcase him as a wide receiver dating all the way back to his Arizona Cardinal days. He's a documented liar. I wouldn't be surprised if Antonio Brown plays every snap of this game ends up getting 10 catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns because Tom Brady's going to want new best friend who I think is actually living with them in Florida. So yeah, take any over in an Antonio prop bet that you can find this weekend. Listen, I, I want to make a point on the Giants, and I think, Brandon, you hit this on the head. You know what I see out of the Giants this year is what I saw out of the Miami Dolphins last year, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. you know, playing tough, playing hard, playing hard for their coach. They seem to like their coach, kind of like the Dolphins, like Brian Flores last year. And I think, you know, there is some talent on that defense. I mean, they're, I mean that cornerback, I forgot what his name was, but essentially he is leading the PFF focus and rankings for... Uh, is that Julian Love? I think his that, last name's Love, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yep, yep. So, so I, what I'm seeing out of the Giants is, is the Miami Dolphins last year. I do believe they are a quarterback away from being a good team. I mean, if they had a better quarterback that wasn't turning the ball over 19 million times, they are going to win the AFC East this year. Um, So to say that, you know, essentially the Buccaneers, they came into this game thinking that they were going to essentially just roll. The Giants were just going to kind of tuck their tails and go home. And obviously that wasn't the case. The Giants punched them them in the mouth. The the Buccaneers looking forward to that big game on Sunday night. And I think that's why this game was so close. But, uh, I mean, just to to wrap this all up, I think that call last night was one of the best calls I've seen in a long time from Uh, from a refereeing crew, right? uh, I hate it more than anything on the planet when – 
a quarterback's mistake of throwing the ball late and inside and the fucking wide receiver turning and running back into the ball is rewarded with a flag. And I hate them more than anything on the planet. I'm glad the referees got together, talked about it. Essentially, it was a bang-bang play. The cornerback got there when the ball got there. And the, the cornerback actually hit, hit his arm on the ball. So I see no issues with that play. Great call refs. For once, they didn't cock it up. So how do you feel when a quarterback launches one way downfield and it's underthrown and the receiver tries to come back for it and the defender happens it. to be in his way and they throw the flag on pass interference on that? I absolutely hate that's it. The same, that's the same thing, and they call it every time. That call I'm last I'm night right. was pass interference. That call was pass interference 100 times out of 100 if that's a deep ball launched out. Brady made his, makes his career off doing that. He did it here in New England. We loved it when he was here. We loved it. We loved that he would get us 50 yards because he threw one and he underthrew it so bad that Josh Gordon or Julian Edelman came back for the ball and ran into the, the defender and they got flagged for it. We loved it. That was BS last night. That receiver was coming back for the ball. That's textbook PI. Textbook. Based on how they call it. Everywhere else on the field. Wow. Uh, seems like you got some... Oh, I was pissed <laughs> off last night. I was pissed off that they picked the flag up last night. If they don't throw the flag on that, that's another story. Yeah. But last night, they threw the flag. How do you pick that up after... You know, with the game on the line, you pick that up. You want to know why Clear they picked PI. it up? Because uh, the referees had it as take it to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's why. I... That, that triggered me last night. I was pissed. I, I pissed. Think still, I think it's still triggering you. <laughs> it is. It is. Because if they're not going to call it consistency acro consistently across the board, no matter where it happens yeah, but, on the field, but, 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 then think, get rid of it. Think about, the, think about the statement you just said. When has the NFL officiating been consistent? Never. I mean, it's a crapshoot any given Sunday. We all know that. I, I don't disagree with you on that. That's why I'm so pissed off. <laughs> I'll say this much. I, I would share the same vitriol as you, Burge, if if DJ didn't throw two back-breaking interceptions. Because if he didn't throw those picks, that's 17 points off the board. And oh, I agree. That, I agree. That, te that team is not in the position to leave it up to the referees to decide their fate. Um, troll job aside, Jay, I see it as the bang-bang play as well, too. But, like... You know, it was it's too close to call. Like the election tonight, that's probably going to be too close to call. That play in the end zone was too close to call as well. well listen, I, I'm not Let trying to troll. I'm not trying to troll 100 here. Like I am legitimately happy they picked up that flag. I mean, at the end of the day, people get all hurt and stuff because of it's Brady, and you know, it looks like it's a uh, hey, they're leaning towards Brady, and it's making him look good. Blah blah, whatever. That bullshit. Take it to the bank. I I see it as essentially a bang bang play. The cornerback got there as soon as the ball got there. His hand early the ball as well. And on Early. top of that, the ball was thrown late and inside. So I see no issues with it. I actually commend, I actually say the NFL Referees Association did a great job last night. And, you know, it is what it is. Puma, when you watched that in real time, did you think it was a flag? Mm. In real time, real time, as it happened. Real time. Again, it's close. It's close. You can make an argument either way. Gun to my head. I'm asking if you. I'm, don't dodge it. A, don't dodge I'm it. I'm asking you. If I'm a referee, I'm throwing the flag. Thank you. I was calling for it immediately before the flag was thrown out. 
But fantasy perspective, I was happy they picked the flag up because I had the Tampa Bay defense in. I was holding on. I was holding on by the skin of my teeth. If I lost last night, I'm out of playoff contention. Now I'm the number four seed. So let's go. Hey, just like the election, you gotta you gotta go with your own interests on that. Let's go. Exactly, brother. Exactly. Hey, uh, Burge, I don't think I got a take it to the bank bet from you. I don't think I said it. I don't think I, I don't said think it. You, yes. I don't think you said it. Take it to the bank. All right. Speaking of taking it to the bank, we got a new segment launching with our buddy uh, DePuma here. Um, it's called Take It to the Bank Parlay. And that's going to be followed up with a new segment uh, that's featuring our buddy Burge, uh, Bullets with Burge. So. Take it to the bank parlay. This is all yours, sir. Go all right. Ahead, so basically the take it to the bank parlay is just a quick recap of the take it to the bank bets that we put on the board for this week. And, um, I mean, Jay and I kind of lost our skin last week, uh, week eight, uh, via DraftKings because everybody, everybody that was supposed to lose one. Uh, how, but how am I supposed to predict the one in five Vikings? They're going to beat the five and one fucking Packers. How am I'll I say supposed th- to predict the fucking Titans? were going to lose to the one, four and one Cincinnati. Jay, how, how, how? Jay, 75% of my bets would have hit if Tennessee just won outright against Cincinnati, because I took the Vikings plus the points. At, I took them at seven. I took them uh, to cover and Dude, almost all of my bets would have hit if Tennessee won. But um, no, so real quick, the take to the bank parlay, uh, it's this. You're going to get the uh, New England Patriot money line from the one Jay Chima. Myself, I am taking the Buffalo Bills plus the three points. And uh, Burge is taking the Saints money line. So if we were to bet that right now, while I throw that little parlay together, you would get, uh, let's see here... Jay took the money line. Parlay wise, if you bet, if you bet ten bucks on the New Orleans Saints money line, the uh, the the Buffalo Bills plus the points, and New England Patriots, ten bucks would get you about seventy five. So listen, let, let's make some money here. Listen, let's do it. Let's start making some money. All of our listeners out there, right? Don't put those ten dollars on that take it to the bank parlay. <laughs> Put your whole mortgage on that Take It to the Bank parlay and you can thank <laughs> us next week because there's a reason why we call it Take It to the Bank because it's going to happen. All right, so $1,000 would net you $7,326 on the nose. Thank us later. Just thank us later, okay? Bye. Take Bye. It to the Bank. You know, I like, I like, uh, I like Buffalo Wild Wings, you know? I like when Buffalo Wild Wings. When you make Me too. 10K off of us, let us know. Yep. <laughs> All right, final but, segment of the day. Are we done with the take it to the bank parlay? We are done with the take it to the bank parlay. Put it final on the board. Segment of the day, another brand new segment called Bullets with Birch, who's going to give you some of the key fantasy players he's targeting this week. All right, so we'll start this off. You know, a new segment here. I'm going to give you uh, my lock for the week. The, my stay away for the week, and then my sleeper of the week. So my first, my first lock of the week is going to be Devonte Adams. The oh, guy yeah. has been a beast for Aaron Rodgers this year. He's coming off a three-touchdown performance last week, showing no signs of letting up. There's really nobody else there that he really likes to throw to in Green Bay. Give me Devonte Adams 
all day, and I am riding with him in my Dynasty League. He needs to continue because my division in my Dynasty League, I have five teams. We are all within one game of each other. And the top three make the playoffs. So I am going hard on Devontae Adams. Hard. The guy is an absolute beast. My second lock I want to go with, Deshaun Watson against Jacksonville. Thank you. Talk about it. The guy has progressively gotten better as his schedule has eased up as the year has gone on. I have him and Ryan Tannehill on my roster. I have started Ryan Tannehill most of the weeks this year because of Deshaun Watson's lackluster performance early on. He still has Brandon Cooks. He still has Will Fuller down there. I like Deshaun Watson to put up a big number this week. Lock it down. Burge, real quick on, on the Watson take. If you're doing, say, DFS, what are your thoughts on a Watson-Fuller uh, stack? Depends how much they cost on a, on a stack there. I mean, uh, Brandon Cooks has, has stepped up over the last three or four weeks down there in, in Houston. So um, it, it would depend on the money. You'd have to see who else is out there. I don't really play DFS, so I don't really have a good take on that. i got to be honest with you. Gun gun to head, would you lean Cooks more full, over Fuller? Yes. Okay. I would. I would. That may come back to bite me in the ass because Cooks has put together some serious duds. In one of my leagues, I traded him for a third-round rookie pick right before he decided to go off for two straight weeks. So <laughs> Of course. That's so, how it works, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's you know, it goes either way on that. Um, but do you remember those days where we had Brandon Cooks on the Patriots and we would always criticize his performances? God, I wish we showed this those back. He was oh, brought boy. in to be Jimmy G's target here. Let's be honest on that. So oh. let's let's not open that can of worms. All right. Oh. Let's let's make it through the new segment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the duds. Who are we fading, Burge? Who are we fading right. on the weekend I am, slate? I am fading anybody on the one Pumas Dallas Cowboys. Oh, shut the fuck up, Burge. Do not, They're not I, my I, team. I, they, They're not my team. <laughs> they were my take it to the bank last week, and they burnt me big time. <laughs> Lamb, Cooper, Elliott, Gallup. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Ezekiel Elliott has been nothing without Dak Prescott at the helm. I almost traded my house to get him. Avoid <laughs> them at all costs. I, I, I'm, I'm selling everything on Dallas at this point. Don't, don't play them. If you have somebody better, please play them. As much as Zeke Elliott gets all the touches, he's not doing anything with them at this point because everybody on the defensive side of the ball knows the only thing that the Dallas Cowboys have right now is running the ball, especially now because Dalton's out. Danucci's not going to play. Who knows who they're going to throw out there? I saw a name, G Garrett Gilbert and... Garrett and Gilbert, Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Like, who the hell are they? Don't trust your fantasy season to those guys. Please don't. And then my second fade, and it's going to kill me to say this, don't play anybody on New England, please. Don't even play Cam Newton. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't even be saying that. We should... <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't even think that Jacoby Myers' performance last week gets you anything in fantasy. Just just avoid it. Even though they're playing the Jets, you don't know what to expect. Play somebody. Play a different option that, that's more 
more uh, sure-footed, so to speak, on that. Because, God forbid, you do that and you lose. We're, we're in the realm now where playoffs are starting to get into the picture. Don't ruin your season with that, please. Please. All right. Burge, real quick, fantasy question. Um, I, I know a couple of weeks ago we were in the same boat of having a Tampa Bay defense, and on paper we weren't the biggest fans. And we, I think we both pivoted to the Washington defense as a stream. Would you go back to the well? Would you fade the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense this week and maybe pick up a streamer if you have bench space? If, if there are better options available on your waiver wire, absolutely. My take it to the bank game is the Saints this week. You're setting me up on this. The Saints, Alvin Kamara is going to run all over them, if not receive all over them. Drew Brees is going to find him out of the backfield. Latavius Murray will poach some touchdowns. It, it, it would really depend on who's out there. That's that's the thing with the kickers and the defense. You really got to play the matchups. I never will ride a defense unless they are the best in the league. If they are not the best in the league, I will play my matchups week in and week out and drop my defense and pick up whoever the best matchup is. Normally, it's whoever is playing the New York Jets at the, this year. But <laughs> I don't know if you want to do that this week. <laughs> I'm not picking up my Patriots defense to play the Jets. But but you get what I'm you get what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, for sure. You, you, pl- you play the matchups. And that's that's how you kind of you kind of manage your defense. Like I'll even if 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 a league doesn't force me to draft a defense in the draft at the beginning of the year, I will not draft one. I will pick I will draft a position player that I have a chance to hit on in the preseason or early on in the season versus drafting a defense, and I'll just pick up whoever's available the best matchup and roll them out there. I mean. Granted, this year in my dynasty league, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers as my defense. I'm not, I'm not going away from that no matter who they're playing. I'm going to ride them to the end because they are one of the best fantasy defenses in the league. Um, but in terms of defense, if you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you have somebody who's a viable option on your waiver wire, pick them up. Quick question for you, sir. Um, I am having issues on my team with tight ends. Um, this last week I started was the name something Rogers off the Philadelphia Eagles didn't do jack shit for me. Mm-hmm. I have quite a bit of wide uh, tight ends available on the uh, the waiver wire that I'm going to be looking into. Who do you recommend recommend out of these people? Um, Logan Thomas, uh, Ebron, Hayden Hurst, and Mike Gusecki. I would probably lean Hayden Hurst there because of that passing attack down in Atlanta. Um, I don't know why you started Rodgers from from Philly with Goddard down there. I know Zach Ertz has been hurt, but I would have faded that hard. The the thing with well, the because with we the thing, didn't have this segment last week and I couldn't ask. Him uh, okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, the tight end is is is, is kind of I, I view it kind of like the quarterback position in in fantasy where you have your really top tier guys like 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 a Mahomes, um, like a Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson this year, and then the middle of the pack, you can roll any one of them out there and you're going to get production out of them. It really doesn't matter who you're putting out there, you're gonna get it. So it's kind of I, I view it kind of the same at, at the tight end position, which before this week you have Kelsey and Kittle at the top of that tier. You could kind of plug and play the middle of that, the middle tier of that, and you're gonna kind of get the you're gonna you're gonna have a chance to get the same production out of them. So 
based off those names that you just listed for me, I go Hurst just because of the upside of a, of a touchdown from Matt Ryan in, in, in Atlanta. You, you're, you're, you're really playing the, the, you know, the bank on touchdown play with the tight end position. And I think Hayden Hurst presents the best option for that. I wish yeah, I wish I had your insight last week because last week I was in the in the uh, car with Puma and I was like Puma, who should I start, Damian Harris or Jamal Williams? And he's like, start Jamal Williams, and that didn't work out though, so well, did it? <laughs> well, 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 I would have gone paper, the same route. I would have done the same. Thing. I would have gone the same thing. I would have said the same <laughs> thing just because of you don't know how the Patriots are going to use Damian Harris week in and week out. If Belichick listened to us, we'd be we'd be seeing Damian Harris 15, 20 carries a week, and then I would have said, ride that shit. <laughs> now now two things just to piggyback off a of Burgess tight end pick I like I, I like the Hearst pick um, I mean if you don't get that waiver claim you could do worse than Logan Thomas uh, he yep. had a decent he had a decent stat line against the Agreed. New York Giants two weeks ago but Jay what kind of league are you in where Hayden Hurst is on waivers <laughs> agreed 100% agree on that Jesus like how many like, teams eight teams Jesus like <laughs> In the truck ride, you were listing off people that were on waivers, and I was just amazed at the running back. I forget who the running back was, but I was like, how is he still on weight? Like, pick him up now. Like, I don't care how this pans out. Like, how is this guy still on weight? I think it was actually the Jamal Williams one. Because worst case, Jay, say Aaron Jones comes back, Jamal Williams is still going to be part of that offense, right? And yep, if, God forbid, if God forbid Aaron Jones goes down again, you have a running back one and a possible lottery ticket winner for your league that nobody knows apparently how to draft in that league. Well, the problem is I have both Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb and like hurt right now, and I'm just stashing them on the bench, right? That's why mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like trying to find solutions uh, for the running back. I mean, you don't really have to dig that hard because you have real gems on the waiver wire. Like I'm looking for people with a pulse in my 12-team league. <laughs> You, you guys really got to get involved in the dynasty format of fantasy football. It is by far the most fun, engaging concept that I've ever been a part of in terms of fantasy. It's way better than a standard keeper league. It's way better than a redraft league. I mean, if you want to manage an NFL team, in terms of fantasy, this is as close as you get. You have salary cap problem. You have to you have to manage your salary cap. You have to manage. You have to keep a minimum amount of contracts on your team, and and it's kind of a year round experience because you do stuff in in May with 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 the rookie draft. You do stuff with a veteran auction at you know in in August before training camp. Um, it really will engage you well, all you- around going well- forward. What's the platform you use for that? Is there like, a, does ESPN have like a dynasty? No, no, it's called My Fantasy League. That's the site that I use. I'm in two leagues, two dynasty leagues. Damn. It's probably a little too much, considering how much work you kind of got to put into it. Because, I mean, you're really focusing on hitting on your rookies that come out of the draft each year. So, like, in one of my leagues, I had the first overall pick because my team was bad last year. And I and I snagged Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the first overall pick in that draft. And the way the rookie draft works, your your salaries are set based on where you draft the players, and you can give them four years of the contract. So I could, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes off and he continues to go off, I have him cost controlled for four years, which is unheard of. So, it it you you. If you really want to get into, you really want to dive into the you know the nitty gritty of fantasy football. Dynasty is where it's at. 
I feel like I, I'd be, I feel like I'd be the Belichick, uh, Belichick of Dynasty. Uh, uh, here we go. Fantasy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do very well with the drafting. <laughs> here we go. Well, I mean, I mean, you you look at fantasy pros. You look at all the rankings. They kind of rank them, and you can tell, like, when Clyde edwards hilaire was selected at 32 by the Kansas City Chiefs, instantly you knew he was the number one fantasy pick in the rookie draft. Instantly, just because of the offense he was going into. Yeah, of course. But I have one more I have one more piece here. One more piece. It's a sleeper of the week. Ooh. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I love me some earlier. Spurge. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a sleeper at this point, but we talked about it with the uh, the Miami-Arizona game. It's Chase Edmonds. Smash, yes. smash, smash. He's got a chance to seize that job down there with you know getting this opportunity. He's going into his third year. He's still got another year on his contract. Kenyon Drake is in a contract year in a prolific offense with a potential prolific offense down there in Arizona. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. Give me Chase Edmonds for a lot of points this week. Yep, I, I need Give it, it to. Smash it. Smash it. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, listen, we're uh, we're at 100 minutes on the dot. Oh, my hand. <laughs> so, wow, man. this is a Joe Rogan episode. <laughs> let's, uh, let's have uh, – bef- <laughs> let me ask before I say this. Do we want to get to anything else, or do you – let's go ahead and plug this up and call it a day. Listen, I love y'all, but – Go watch CNN and see Rome burn. So let's yes. get the fuck out of here. Yes. <laughs> All right, plug it up, Puma. Let's call All it right, away. brothers. All right, so this episode and previous episode of the podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Google Podcast, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, Facebook and Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima's at Jay Chima, our senior contributor, Eric Burgess. Where can they find you, good sir? Because I have the memory of an 85-year-old man when it comes to Twitter handles. Burge the goalie because I was an epic college goaltender. That's a fact. Verified. <laughs> verified. Daniel Webster College Eagle. That is a verified statement. That is not hyperbole. That is verified. <laughs> at Burge the Goalie on the Twitter machine. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on social media. Our DMs are open. Uh, feel free to slide on up in them. Uh, just don't ask for any dating advice. We're only here for fantasy football purposes. Uh, and also, hot takes with the, the real-life football as well, too. Um, otherwise, that's all I got, guys, unless you have any unplugs that I missed. This is a great episode. We'll talk to you guys next week. Fire Let's watch. Watch Rome burn. Let's go. Let's go.